As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Uh, Laura's been missing for 13 and a half years. 
Laura was witty and creative and we had so much fun together. We were very, very close. There's a place in my head and in my heart all the time for Laura. She's always present in my mind. Laura, I miss you dearly and hope to hear from you soon. Your kids are doing so well and you'd be really proud of them. The last day I saw my sister Elaine, I remember I was 12 years old. We stayed up really late in our bedroom, sitting on the floor. We were drawing and the next day she was gone. My dad passed away last year. The one thing we wanted was dad to find out, you know, what had happened before he passed away, but it didn't happen, which, yeah, it's not easy. I miss that we didn't get the opportunity to see how Elaine grow, grow old with us, have children. Um, Susie went missing in February 1987. Susie was my only girl. I had three boys. I get butterflies in my tummy even now when I think of the first time I held her in my arms because I so badly wanted a girl. Worst part is not knowing. If you've got if someone dies, you've got a finality because they're buried and you have a funeral. But with this, there's no answer, so you're just left in limbo. The thing I miss most about Nathan is not having my son in my world. I would love to have seen him grow into manhood and achieve his destiny, whatever that might have been. I love you, Nathan. <laughs> and I'm longing for you to come home. I care about you, son. You matter to me and I miss you. Those are some of the stories being highlighted this year by the National Missing Persons Coordination Centre. There are over 2,000 long-term missing persons in Australia and this campaign seeks to remind us they aren't just missing, but they are missed. Last week I released a book called CSI Told You Lies, which is about the very real experts who work at the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine. One of the many things they do there, alongside the autopsies and crime scene investigations, is that they work with the National Missing Persons Coordination Centre. Why? Because there are, at any given time, around 500 sets of unidentified human remains stored in mortuaries around Australia. 500 people who've died in Australia without identification, who no one seems to be looking for. It's shocking, but it's also possibly due, at least to some degree, to a very fixable administrative issue. Big changes were made last year and we need to get the word out, so we'll talk to one of those very real-life forensic specialists soon. But first, I thought we should remember what it's really all about. There's a phrase that's been adopted by those in this terrible club to describe the feeling they've lived with every moment since someone they love disappeared. The phrase is ambiguous loss. It's definitely a loss, but they don't know if they've been left in which case it's hurtful, so they could allow themselves some anger, but also some hope that they'll be reunited. 
On the other hand, though, they don't know if there's foul play involved, if they've been robbed of someone, if they've been victimised, if there's someone walking around free who they should be chasing down. These are just two of what must be endless options when your loss is ambiguous and you've got all those sleepless nights to ponder. I first spoke to Dylan Redman in February of 2016 for another podcast. His big brother, Owen Redman, had been missing for 15 years at that time. Dylan is definitely the family member most dedicated to keeping the search for Owen active. He created a Facebook page, Help Find Owen, which he updates religiously, and he regularly participates in missing persons events on Owen's behalf. Here's a bit of our chat from 2016. 2005 was probably the major one, which was a Missing Persons Week launch, and I had no idea what I was walking into. You know, cameras everywhere. Then they started asking me questions, and I'm like, oh, this is all right, I can answer some questions. And they put me on camera, and I was like, oh, crumbs, you know. And they asked me things like, you know, tell us a bit about your brother, and I'm like, that was good. And then they said, how do you feel about it? And then I just lost it. Mm-hmm. I've never cried like that in my mm. life. Like, and then I'm a, I was a teacher, you know, like I'm, I'm taking a break at the moment, but um, I was a teacher, and the next day I went to school, and all my kids at school had seen it. And they're just like, you could see they were like, oh, what are we saying? Oh, I'd never, you know, like I'd never really cried since I was a little kid like that. And I just completely lost it. But then, you know, a lot of good came out of it. A lot of people have talked to me about it. And a lot of people talk to me about their own situations where they've lost people or, you know, and um, mm. it's just like something really good can come out of this. Even though maybe for me, I feel like maybe I'm not going to have the happy ending necessarily and, and find my brother. But I know through this I can help other people and encourage other people and raise awareness of the issue. So, hmm, yeah. Was there a, a moment or a time when you th- thought, I have to prepare myself that this is not a happy ending? There have been a few moments like that. I'm not really a big psychic kind of person, but about four or five people have been to psychics and said, oh, hey, I went to a psychic and they told me about your brother. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go. And I know it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, I've had one sort of say things like, oh, your brother was in Carnarvon in Western Australia and he's been on drugs and he's passed away from an overdose. And sometimes I drive tour buses on the Great Ocean Road and one particular summer I was just really working really hard and driving nearly every day out there. And a friend of mine was like, oh, I went to a psychic. And um, before I could stop him, he's like, oh, and they said he's thrown himself off the cliffs of um, the Great Ocean Road. I'm like, oh, man. So every day I drive out there and I'm like tearing up because I'm thinking, man, you, you know, but then I'm like, no, no, this, this is not legitimate. It's not for real. I guess people don't think. I mean, it's like when someone passes away, you know, there's that common line of, oh, you know, sorry for your loss. But you can't say that when someone's missing. Mm. So then they're kind of like, uh, well, yeah, so sometimes you just get to the point, look, you know what, I don't really want to talk about this right now. It's hard. I mean, like I said, I don't expect, at this point now, I don't expect that there's going to be a good ending to all of this in the sense that one day Owen's going to ring up and say, hey, man, you know, I'm all right. It's all good. Maybe to some limited degree, I think maybe he might ring up one day or send an email or write a letter and say, hey, you know, I'm okay, but too much water under the bridge. You know, it's, it's, it's been too long. And I mean, there's two scenarios, I suppose, in this, that he's dead, which is not the good scenario. You know, he might have committed suicide or maybe he's just passed away through natural causes or an accident or something. Um, and the other option is that he's somewhere and he just doesn't want to be part of my family and he probably just feels like, okay, I've started again. I don't want to go back. What yeah. were his relationships like with you guys, with his family? Did it fit in a way? Was 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 he distant? 
Could you believe a year later that he hadn't contacted you and your mum? I could kind of believe that. Yeah, okay. He wasn't close to my father. They were probably too much like each other, both intellectuals, both uh, very strong points of view. My mum was the same. She was very dogmatic, very strong in what she believed, and they didn't get along. When my parents divorced when I was about 12, I think that was when our family was sort of shattered and they went in different directions. And I think that's when he, I mean, he was kind of like close to 18. He went off to uni. So I guess we got along really well. We'd go out and see bands, just kind of hang out. And it was really good. We really reconnected probably about a year before he left. Because when I was a kid, I was probably one of those annoying little brothers that, <laughs> you know, that you always want to beat up. Yep. And I remember getting caught in some pretty good, not beatings because he wasn't really violent, but, you know, like headlocks and yeah. <laughs> and uh, crow pecks and stuff like that. You know, he'd get his knuckles and he'd whack him in there. You know, like, I probably deserved it too. Yep. But I remember, I remember a moment we were walking down Barclay Street in St Kilda towards the, I think it's the National Theatre, and I remember him saying, you know what, Dylan, I'm really sorry for, for the way I treated you when I was younger. Mm. And that was um, a pretty significant moment for me. So it was like, you know, um, I think we were probably the closest. When I was like 17, I went over to America as an exchange student. And right before I left, we couldn't contact him. He'd moved but not passed on his details. I mean, I, you, like anyone, you idolise your big brother. Your big brother, yeah. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was way cooler than me. And he reappeared, you know, right before I left. So him disappearing makes sense in some ways. Would you mind telling us a bit about what, the day he went missing, the circumstances around that? It's, it's, um, the timeline's a little bit weird mm. in the sense that he was living in, um, he was living in Brunswick with his wife. Well, that was sort of a funny, funny marriage in a sense because they were very bohemian and they, originally when they got married, they were living in separate places and I don't think they ever actually moved in together. Um, and, a month after he disappeared, um, his uh, ex-wife now, I guess, she's remarried. I won't say her name because she doesn't want her name no. out there. But she rang my father and said, oh, look, I haven't seen Owen for a month. And he kind of would tend to just, I guess for want of a better description, he's a bit of a alternative kind of living sort of a fairly hippie sort of lifestyle. He's just kind of doing whatever, you know, he would work when he felt like it just to pay the bills. And he'd go, he'd go to a lot of things like... Um, confessed and things like that and sometimes you know and he'd come back and and he'd be like oh yeah you know i was away and she was kind of used to that but then she's like he's like i don't think he's coming back he's left all his stuff like he left his bank books he left all his, he had this like big chest i think my grandfather made it was like this massive wooden chest and it had all of his stuff in there and he didn't take any of it but she said right before he disappeared he stopped kind of partying he stopped drinking it's like he became this serious person, you know, he's in, he's in his 20s. And it's almost like he's going, all right, I'm going to make a break for it. And she couldn't really see it at the time, but she said when she looked back, it was like, it was so obvious. She didn't know how she missed it. But he did change. He had a personality change just before he went missing. Yeah. It's almost like he shut everyone off, hmm. and but not in a really obvious way. He wouldn't sort of say to people, hey, I don't want to talk to you. But she said it was like he was just slowly withdrawing. And then she said, then he just wasn't there anymore. But he didn't take anything with him. So maybe he was setting up a whole new identity, which I suppose in 91, uh, it would have been fairly easy because we didn't have the internet like we have now. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't really leave much of a footprint. So initially it felt like it sort of fit for him to drop out for a while mm. and then it went on and then it went on. Mm. When did it really hit you that he had left you, walked away from you? I think... 
Um, the the moment it was probably the strongest for me was in a couple of years after he disappeared, and I'd been in a relationship with a girl for like a year, and and then we broke up, and it was just like that was probably the crappiest Christmas I've ever had. It was like I think it was like the twenty second of December we broke up, and I was just feeling really sorry for myself, and I'm just like, man, I just wish I could call Owen right now. I wish we could just I don't know go down to St Kilda, go to Ackland Street, get a kebab, you know, and have a couple of beers and just talk about stuff. You know, walk along the beach like we used to. And and I didn't have that. And I was just suddenly like, oh, crap, you know, I'm really alone. I felt really, at that moment, pretty desperate. And I was like, man, you know, I just wish I could somehow, you know, just see him. I can't explain it because it's, I know I've, been through the, the grief of losing my mum, through the anger, through the the just absolute pain in, your, in the absolute pits of your guts kind of pain. But, yeah, I just can't get to that point, obviously, with Owen because yeah, I don't know. And people are like, oh, well, you know, people are silly and they're like, oh, what do you reckon's happened to him? I'm like, if I knew that, I would go and find him. I would, I would you know search the ends of the earth to find him if I knew all I'd been trying to. But, I mean, I, I like in June I walked this, like, massive walk for, like, 500 and something Ks. I was originally, I was just like, that's it. School holidays are here. I'm going to walk to Tumut, New South Wales, which is where he was born. Then, of course, all the realists are like, oh, dude, that's going to take you, like, four weeks. You only have two weeks holidays. You'll get fired. And then I'm like, oh, man. And then I've got this, like, Fitbit, you know, I just yes. got. And I'm like, right, that's it. I'm going to do a virtual walk and then I'm going to walk the last 50 Ks. Awesome. From, like... The beginning of the snowy mountain highway through to Tumut. And I, I went there and I'm like, I'm so unfit. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I, it was freezing cold because it was in June. Yeah. Or it was like late June, early July. I think it was July, yeah. And I'm walking and I'm like thinking, oh, yeah. Um, and I had like this, um, what was the app? Um, some like, oh, what was it? Like Strava kind of app, you know. It's yeah. like, oh, telling me how many... Um, how many Ks per minute or how many Ks per hour I'm walking and I'm like walking really hard. And I got this one massive hill and it was like, I swear it was straight up. It felt like it was going backwards like that. And I'm walking up this hill and I'm just like, oh, I've got to do this for everyone. I'm just pushing myself and pushing myself. So I did that to try and, I guess, raise awareness of of what it's like for someone who's got a family member who's missing. And yeah. to walk to his place of birth is so emotional and so moving. For me, it has become like, okay, if you're thinking about leaving and you just think no one gives a rats about you, think again because there will be someone in your life, in your family, that will absolutely be devastated. Forever. That's Dylan Redman, and there's a link to the Facebook page Help Find Owen in the show notes to this episode. After the break, we'll hear from Professor Soren Blau from the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine. She wants to get the word out about changes to the way missing persons investigations are carried out in Australia, and she may want your DNA. I first met Soren in 2018, and she told me this story about some unidentified remains in her care at that time. Skeletal remains were located in um, bushland in Victoria when a person was uh, clearing a path for fire prevention. There were, the full skeleton was there, it was associated with clothing, some personal effects, so things like a drink bottle, but also a noose. So it, it was apparent from the circumstances that this individual had uh, chosen to take his own life, but there was no hypothesis about who this person was or, you know, why they were, were there. 
So we do, that's where the kind of forensic anthropology comes into its own to develop that information. So the age, the sex, the ancestry. We work with the forensic odontologist, so the dentist looks at the teeth and he actually had evidence of restoration, so filling, so which means he'd been to a dentist. Um, we work with the DNA specialist. We were able to obtain a DNA profile. So we've got a really good post-mortem uh, record, if you want, of this individual, but he remains unidentified, which is terribly sad. And his uh, many features which should be identifiable, but because we don't have any sort of records of uh, a missing person to match with, uh, we can't we can't do anything at this so point. What sort of picture did you get? Did you get sort of an age range? Yeah, so he's a he's a young that is a male between you know I think it was twenty five and and thirty years old, wow. Caucasoid. Um, we gave him you know he wasn't a particularly interesting stature you know not unusually short or tall, but that you know he did have uh, as I mentioned the the evidence of the dental restorations. Um, there was no evidence of trauma. Probably not surprising, given the association with the with the rope. So yeah, I guess it's just one of these sad stories where a young man, you know, ends up in that sort of situation, but is still unidentified. There's more about that story in my book CSI Told You Lies. Although I can tell you, those remains are still unidentified and being cared for at the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine. If you have any information about that or any other missing persons case, you should contact the Missing Persons Coordination Centre, which is an arm of the Australian Federal Police. Their website is missingpersons.gov.au and there's a link in the show notes to this episode. There'll be more from Professor Blau shortly. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you to our patrons, Laura, Caitlin Miller, Nikki Shea, Margaret Hobson, Paul O'Connell, Becca M and Sharon May.
Professor Soren Blau is back to talk about the changes in missing persons investigations in Australia and why they're potentially good news for families like Dylan and Owen Redmond's. So it's particularly helpful for people or families like Dylan's family, isn't it? In his particular situation, he has a long-term missing family member who is Owen, his brother. And also Owen is the kind of, or was the kind of character who may well have been outside of Victoria if he is indeed deceased. So why why is it particularly pertinent to their story? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I mean, we're, we're advocating what we're calling a Victorian Missing Persons Families Day. But of course, the way that the day works is that it is part of a national approach. And as you're probably aware, the the Australian Federal Police have launched a a national program where they're working with all of the jurisdictions for that very reason, because just because a person may be reported in one state, we know that lots of people travel and move for a whole range of reasons. And so sadly may be deceased in another jurisdiction and where it's really important that all the jurisdictions obtain information and then of course have the ability to share. In Victoria we we will start with looking locally so we have our particular DNA database for Victoria but of course we realise exactly what you said that, that that may be too limiting and so we now have the opportunity with the family member consenting, of course, to provide their personal information to upload that onto what's known as as a national DNA database. So up until, was it last year, 2020, that was not the case? You didn't, um, you couldn't access these kinds of family records from other states and, and vice versa? Well, actually, the the National Missing Persons and Victim System is, is as it says, a national database that has been operational since 2016 because of some of the complexities of legislation around the different jurisdictions. Sometimes the DNA component of that has been complex and the National Missing Persons and Victim System is not a DNA database itself. So it will hold a range of information and then the the, the DNA database is, is a separate uh, database so it's quite it's quite complicated really okay so is that part of the reason then that you're urging families to come back can they give permission for their DNA yes so we we know that um, sadly many families have spoken whether with police or with other um, you know missing person advocacy groups we're inviting anyone even if you have provided information in the past to come and meet with us again because legislation has changed we want to make sure that the appropriate consent is provided and that the family members of course have the opportunity to ask any questions sometimes these things can be quite complicated and by by giving that consent now that we hope will allow us in Victoria but also of course nationally to up the chances of of doing wider searches and of course it's true to say that the technology associated with things like DNA is is very much um, improved, particularly, you know, the last uh, couple of years. If someone's given a sample at some point, 10 or 15 years ago or whatever, even five years ago, would it be worth their while coming to give another one, do you think? 
it definitely would. It's not that we would be wanting different samples. The process is the same. So um, the family member can come and do what's called a buckle swab. So it's just basically a little brush with um, equivalent of, a, of an earbud in the inside of the mouth. So they may have done that before. It um, doesn't hurt, um, uh, obviously relatively quick, and they can do that themselves. And in addition to that swab, we are also asking for any other details that they may remember and that that could be you know anything from how they looked to whether the, their loved one attended a dentist and, and they might have dental records even even things like smiling photographs for example may be potentially um, very helpful in the process of identification yeah of course different ideas of what a person can look like because you in the book you and I talk about the fact that you're in charge, I say, of, of the unidentified remains that are held at, at Vifum. How many sets of unidentified remains do you have there at the moment? So in the state of Victoria, the count is at the moment about 142, and I say about because the numbers fluctuate for various reasons. But it's reasonable to think that potentially you have the remains of somebody whose family is looking for them elsewhere Correct. in Australia. That's exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. So just because we have sadly unidentified human remains um, in our care in, in Victoria doesn't mean that that person may originally, for example, have grown up or been born in, in, another, in another state. Yeah, and it doesn't mean no one's looking for them or no Correct. one cares for them. Exactly. No, yes. they're very much cared in our care and respectfully cared for in, in, our, you know, in our mortuary. Yeah, that's always the point I want to make, even for myself, because when I first heard that, when I first heard there were un unidentified remains in mortuaries in Australia, I just found it mm. breathtakingly sad and mm. I couldn't believe it was possible. But then I realised, well, you know, I'm sure there are people looking for them, but things happen. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And as you we discussed before, people go missing for a whole range of reasons. Yeah. And sometimes it's very complex why people perhaps take some some years to report their loved one missing and you know certainly in this initiative we're not questioning the why and wherefore we're we really want to just work with families to give a name back to the deceased people currently in our care and of course ultimately give some sort of information and I, I hate the word closure but you know some answers to to family members well I think it's important too to let people know that there's no judgment about the length of time that a person has mm. not been reported missing yep. we've heard lots of stories about relatives who have been led to believe for example that people are alive and realize much later that they might not be and there are lots of reasons why you should come forward if for any reason at all you think it might be a good idea to do so now there's no judgment exactly exactly we, we're very happy to talk with anyone who um, has a missing relative and it doesn't matter how long ago they went missing mm. we certainly want to ensure that we don't raise expectations because we really appreciate that talking about your loved one can be very emotional and we by no means make promises for an absolute outcome but this initiative is important I think to demonstrate that we are really still thinking about the importance of identification and that we really do empathize with what families go through when they don't have those answers. We have lots of listeners outside of Victoria, obviously, so mm. they can get in touch through the website and the phone yeah. numbers anywhere in Australia, right? Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and certainly if they, you know, we have the information, as you said, on our um, website on the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, and we're happy to direct members of the public to their similar initiatives in other states. And this isn't a red light special. They can do this at any time, right? It's Correct. not just August. No. Yeah. And while, you know, we, we acknowledge National Missing Persons Week is acknowledged, you know, traditionally in the first week of August, obviously, sadly, due to the ramifications of COVID, we've deferred our meetings in Victoria till September. But as you rightly said, we're hoping that the start of this initiative is something that then is ongoing and that you know families can reach out to us at any time and we can organize to to meet with them at a time that suits them there are links in the show notes to this episode for all of the organizations we're talking about and for the help find owen facebook page run by dylan redman I sent some of those links through to Dylan Redman after speaking to Dr Soren at the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine and then I gave him a follow-up call to see how he's travelling. Are you back to teaching now or what are you up to? No, I also run a symbol company now. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah What's I, a symbol um, company? Uh, we make symbols in Turkey, like the things that make a lot of noise. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, so we make those in Turkey and... So I got out of teaching, I did a master's in counselling and I got stuck in like a, you know, in a little office and I felt really claustrophobic. And I think I'm more a get out there and kind of hang out with people, have real conversations, not not have it set up like people walk into a room and, yeah. you know, you're taking notes and all that sort of stuff. So um, I'm, I'm a drummer, obviously, so I just looked into making my own symbols in Istanbul and we went over there to Istanbul and checked it out. Found a factory to work with and I started designing my own stuff and and running what we call drum sheds. So we get out in the community and we hang out with drummers and, um, yeah, put a whole bunch of drum kits together and annoy the neighbours make a lot of noise. But, you know, we also have like a quieter space we can hang out and have a bit of a chat and check out, you know, symbols, I suppose, but just talk about life and... Yeah, and I guess it kind of, for me, it came out of um, that the whole idea that, you know, before my brother went missing, he didn't really talk to me about it. And um, I think for me, a key factor is in being able to have real honest conversations about stuff. So it's like drums as therapy. You've, com- you've combined everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, it is therapy because we get people come along and they're like, oh, I'm not really sure. I'll give it a go. And then they walk around and go, oh, my gosh, I just want to buy a drum kit now. I want to play the drums. Or I haven't played drums in 20 years and I was feeling a bit depressed about it, but you've really re-inspired me, reinvigorated me. Or my favourite one is the like the 10-year-old, 12-year-old girl who comes in like all scared and then they get on the kit and they just light up and they just, you know, they have a jam with their dad and it's really cool. Actually, I'll have to talk to you about my daughter, Dali. She's... A, a born percussionist, I reckon, because she's always she's always tapping and making noise, and it drives me crazy. But I say to her, "Mate, we got to get you drums." She's a she's a percussionist, and she's yeah. eleven. Oh wow! Okay, you're in trouble then. Yep, that's all right. <laughs> I want to get her a drum kit. You know, I'm like always up for encouraging people to do what they do. So yeah, all right. I'll definitely talk to you about that. Cool. Awesome. So I wanted to talk to you though about the fact that. I went the other day to VIFM, Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, and because um, I just wrote a book about those guys. Uh, yeah. The book's called CSI Told You Lies. And one of the people that is in the book is the la- is a lady called Soren Blau, and Soren is a forensic anthropologist. And so they work a lot with missing persons, that, that area of stuff. So I went in and chatted with them, and 
the whole time I was just thinking about you. I was thinking about your story in particular, you and Owen, your brother, um, because what they're really wanting to highlight this year is that people, they really, it's like long-term missing persons cases, okay? Yeah. Particularly Soren, because she's an anthropologist, she deals with, and you know, I hate, of course, I'm going to hate saying this, but remains that are from a long time ago, okay? Yeah, yeah. And so she she wants to t- really get the message out there that she wants family members to come back in and give DNA again, give samples again, even if you've done that before. Because for the first time, this is unbelievable. You probably know this already, but they never had a national database before. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. it's all state run, right? Right. It's crazy. And the more they spoke about it, the more I thought, I know a guy who might have travelled, you know? Hmm. I know a young man or I know of a young man who is a great example of someone who may well have been off backpacking, walking, because I remember you went on that walk to where Owen was born. I thought if ever there's a character who may have been somewhere else in Australia, it's your brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for the first time, you know, this could be different. It could be worth your making contact again and going back in. DNA technology's changed and we've got this link now with other states and it could be worth trying again. So Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because it was well, it would have been 2005 or 6 that I gave her a DNA sample. Uh, or maybe oh, yeah, so at least 10 years ago. So yeah, and I was saying to them changes. Yeah, and I was saying to them I'm the kind of person who'd think, "No, nah, they've already got it. I gave them a sample." And they were laughing going, "Yeah, we don't still have it." Like, mm. you know, I would think yeah, they'll still have it somewhere. And they were like, nah, we don't, you know, you got to, which I know is so frustrating for families because it's like, why don't you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess the, the thought would be that they would have everything on file accessible, but they, they would archive things or they would just dispose of a sample in my case too. Cause the, the um, coroner rule, there was a coroner ruling that my brother's deceased, but they said, oh, look, we can't find proof of life, but we can't, there's no body. So, but we've decided to declare him deceased. And I'm just like, I was shattered when that happened. But I think it was more about closing cases than it was about actualities. So, well, it's the same from their perspective. They have here at the mortuary all these sets of remains that are unidentified. And yeah. to me, that feels like oh, that's so sad, no one's looking for them. And they're like, no, that does, that's not what that means. It means that there's probably families looking for them. They just don't know they're here in Victoria, you know. And, again, it reminded me of other families who just are so convinced that, no, this person wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have travelled. They wouldn't have left the state. And we just sometimes we don't know people as well as we think we do, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I would see Owen travelling. I know myself. Yeah. I love travelling. I love getting around the country. And so I could imagine him being in, who knows, in the Pilbara somewhere, you know, or up in Arnhem Land, just living on the land. So It was great actually listening back to our old conversation to put it back into this episode because I, I thought, yeah, no, I did remember it. 
properly. I did remember it. You were saying, yeah, he was, you know, living in Brunswick and he absolutely was the kind of person who who might have gone away. You weren't that worried initially because there were long periods of time where he didn't contact the family, you know. He could have been anywhere. Hmm. Well, you know, we had a kind of uh, interesting conversation with Owen's ex-wife and she let some new information out that I didn't know about. Recently? Yeah, like I'm talking about like a year ago. But it's sort of like something, obviously, we can't really check it out. But she said that um, Owen and she and a whole bunch of friends, around the time that Owen went missing, they would go up to like New South Wales and Queensland to, I think it was like Confest and different um, sort of, you know, quote unquote hippie festivals. And they would hitch rides, like they would hitchhike. And it's something that sort of I thought about, I thought, nah, it's kind of stupid. It's a silly idea, but they said that um, there was one particular couple that fell prey to Ivan Malat. And I thought ages ago, I thought, I wonder, nah, surely not. Like Owen would be too smart, but it's around about that time too, which is a bit weird. But Owen's ex-wife said that they would often uh, hitchhike and up to these festivals and there and back. But then once this couple had fallen prey to Ivan Malat, they said they never did it again. But what's to say that Owen, yeah, wasn't hitchhiking? Because I could see him doing that. He'd just be like, cool, I'm, I'm heading off. I'm going to go to Queensland or I'm going to go to the Outback or whatever, let's hitchhike and, yeah, see, like, sort of cat surf or, or whatever, you know, around Australia. Yeah, well, that's the attraction, isn't it? It's free. And once you've done it, and, and also for young, healthy, strong, fit men, like I think we were still very much in the mindset that it was safe for men to do anything. Hmm. Uh, that was the thing about Ivan Milat was that he was able to overcome very big strapping young men was really eye-opening for a lot of hmm. people. Hmm. I guess that's the power of, or he had a shotgun or he had guns that's it. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes sense now, but at the time we were like, oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Where are you at with your sort of attitude and, and stuff to it now? Last time I spoke to you, it was just still very overwhelming for you and you were still investing a lot of your time and emotional energy in the search for Owen. Where are things? It's it's one of those funny things. You kind of um, pick it up and put it down. You know, life gets in the way. I mean, I'm running a symbol company where we're shipping all around all around the world. So, like, I'm Which super busy with that. Yep. But I think in the in the back of my mind, even up here, I've got a cup sitting on top of my computer monitor of my brother. So even in our warehouse that we're just setting up at the moment, we're going to have a heap of these cups and serve coffees and have hangouts and stuff. And so for me, it's an ongoing process of just something will pop up. So, for example, the link you sent me, I went and signed up to do another sample. Great, already? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go and do that. And, <laughs> wow. you know, and, and it's for me, it's, you know, do I hope that I'll see my brother again? Yes. Do I think I will? The, I guess I'm not sure, but for me... Because a link like that, something as simple as that, something as out of the blue as me, of all people, popping up in your messenger, Facebook messenger, and going, hey, remember me? I was thinking of you because, you know, this thing happened in my world where I went in and did an interview and I thought of you. Here's a link. So mm. all of a sudden I've brought it right back up to front of mind and... I've given you a link to click on that may, who knows? Yeah. 
who knows what will come of that like how do what feelings does that bring up to you well I guess that's the beauty of community you know like I will honestly I would never have forgotten that interview with you because like for me you're a significant person you know I'd seen you on the project and you know it really made an impression on me um so I what if it's... I've given you a link that's going to give you the worst news like like that, I might have done that too. But I think that there's a trust in in that though, because I could see the genuineness in what you were trying to do. I think if you were if you were that sort of person who was like, um, you know, a negative influence or or whatever, I would be. I, I wouldn't put you in such a. You no, know, it's I... like the inner circle of trust or whatever. I suppose. Well, that's good. But even <laughs> even though we both know it's like well intentioned, but but what if you know? I mean now you're facing another one of those weird moments in life, isn't it? Because like, yay, the technology's improved and they've got this national register. But what if, you know, it's like, what if the dreaded closure comes? Yeah, I, I, I consider that too. Even, well, what about if I found out that Owen was living on the streets and he was homeless? Yeah. You know, what about if I found out something really bad? But, you know, I guess at the end of the day, that's life, you know, life isn't always perfect and things don't always fit perfectly into a, a box. And, and I guess in that, in that sense, in that moment, you deal with it and you just you reconcile it. Just as uh, like for the last 30 years, I've been reconciling the fact that I've got a brother that I don't know where he's at. Is it 30 years now? Yeah, so it was, what, 1991, so yeah, yeah, bang on 30 years. <sighs> so, oh, yeah, because that, that was when that new information came out because I met with Owen's ex-wife and we actually went to the house that he was last at and we mm-hmm. knocked on the door and, um, well, I didn't, it's I was too gutless, <laughs> but she knocked on the door and said, oh, hey, you know, my um, ex-husband used to live here and, and the people were really nice. Um, we did like a bit of, we stood out the front and I'd put out a post, you know, Owen, if you're around, we'll, we'll wait here at... Um, at, at Irvine Crescent for you, you know, we'll wait at this specific time. If you want to reconnect, this is a great time to do it. You know, no judgment, no hard feelings, no weirdness. Just come and give us a hug and, you know, everything will be okay. Mm. But, um, so, you know, um, I, I actually do love the fact that you reached out and I love the fact that I get messages all the time from different people saying, oh, hey, I remember your brother. Oh, I was in year 12 at Trafalgar High School with your brother. Oh, he's so funny. He had really cool hair. What, yeah, you know, he did. He what does. a cool guy, you know. So, yeah. Um, and then you get people going, oh, I think I saw your brother. And and sometimes those things, those ones are a bit like, oh, man, ouch. But mm. I don't know. I guess I'm fairly, I guess I'm fairly reconciled to the fact that, you know, I've got a missing brother and I kind of roll with it. And occasionally it sneaks up on you and, and you, I get a bit emotional. And um, But most of the time I think I'm, I wouldn't say I'm over it or whatever. I'd think I'm just, I'm used to it, which maybe isn't such a great thing. I don't know. Well, you don't have much choice, hey? No. Well, true. I guess you've got to reconcile it and, and you can't just sit, sit in it day in, day out and feel sorry for yourself because I figure there's a lot more I can do to help other people who are going through the same thing. Thank you to our guests today, Dylan Redman and Professor Soren Blau from the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. And thank you to our patrons, Courtney Baskovich, Yvonne Ball, Kaya, Alicia Kershaw, Abby Pardo and Ublius Publius. We'll be back next week.
This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.